And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it's nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, someone who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you don't need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Talking Niners podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Network. I am your host, Kobe Ransom, and uh, 49ers played their first football game, and last week we didn't have a whole lot to discuss. This week is very different. Sam is here and extremely sick, but he is still here. Sam, how are you doing today, my friend? Uh, You know, as you said, I'm pretty sick. My voice sounds a bit off, so you're going to have to bear with me because the show must go on. We did have our first game, and man, was that a up and down game? Started up, ended down, went downhill, but we finished on top. And you know what? We got the win. A win is a win is a win. One and zero. Moving on to week two here to discuss week one. What's up next? Do that all. Let's do it right here. Let's freaking fracking do it. Freaking fracking. Freaking fracking. All right. Uh, let's start fracking. with the bad news first. Jason Verrett and Raheem Mostert are both out for the year. So I'll start with you, Sam. Uh, I guess we can start with Jason Verrett. How does that loss affect the 49ers going forward? I think you look at the Jason Verrett loss. This is the most brutal loss we could have had to this defense. You look at all the positions on this defense, linebacker, defensive line, cornerback safety, all that stuff. And cornerback was definitely the weakest out of those positions. And Jason Verrett was by far cornerback one. Mosley, I was quarterback too, but he has he has some issues, health issues. And quarterback three, you have DeAndre Lenore, fifth round pick, all that stuff. After that, oh yeah, we have I'm dying as you can tell. That awkward pause was me <laughs> coughing, me and myself. I don't want the viewers to hear that. But anyways, quarterback four, you got Amory Thomas. After that, Dante Johnson, Josh Norman. So really, not that much depth at this quarterback position. Losing Verrett. Probably your best secondary player. It's going to be hard to replace him. And you have Drake Kirkpatrick. You brought him in. But losing Verrett is just absolutely brutal to this team, especially for the year. And, I mean, Verrett's dealt with so many injuries before. And it's it's tough to say, see him coming back to this 49ers team. Or really in the NFL in general. So I have to be like a one-year prove-it year. We'll see how he recovers. But other than that, I mean, Jason Verrett out there is absolutely brutal for this team it's really going to kill this team a lot i think this could be the biggest loss of the year for the 49ers if we have as many injuries as last year and just in general i don't really see any other bigger loss like even we lost nick bosa we have a healthy d4 we have a ton of depth in the edge position we lose a defensive tackle we may lose kinlaw for a little bit we have depth there quarterback if we lose one we have another quarterback who can come in do something like that o-line yeah that's pretty brutal i think cornerback is definitely the one position you can't afford to lose yeah, I think that was, you know, what most everyone said going into the year was that cornerback was obviously the weakest position on the defense, and that was the one place the 49ers could not afford to lose Verrett for any time, let alone the entire season. Um, 
But the 49ers, we know the reason why they didn't dress cornerback was because they put a lot of investments into that defensive line, that front seven as a whole. So going forward, you know, this is now time to show that those investments were worth it, that the front seven, you know, can carry a secondary and that your secondary can play, you know, behind obviously a good front seven. We'll see how that looks going forward. They have both the back, they have Ford back, they both played well in that Lions game. But obviously, linebacker core was pretty good in that game against the Lions. Uh, Alshier had a pretty good game. Fred Warner was Fred Warner. So, and the safeties had good play as well with Ward and Tart. So, really, cornerback, can the rest of these guys, can the other nine guys kind of help, you know, sure up any, any kind of, you know, deficiencies with the with the cornerback room? Potentially, uh, the way this defense is built, you know, obviously to get pressure. Um, they didn't blitz much in that Lions game. They dropped seven in covers uh, very often. So, if they're able to do that and get covered and get pressure with four guys, maybe they can kind of salvage, uh, you know, that secondary and make it easier for them. But obviously, losing for means you don't have a guy who can go toe to toe, man to man with the best, you know, in the game like we did last year when Ferret was able to pretty much take DeAndre Hopkins out of the game. You don't, you no longer have a guy who can do that. So teams may look to take on whoever, you know. Now there isn't a side of the field that they don't want to go to. Now both sides of the fields will probably get worked for the Niners. So. Yeah, let's go on forward. And then the other loss for the year was Raheem Mostert. Um, well, one more thing about the Rhett situation. Right. I think it's we have to be very lucky that we have such a good defensive line because if we didn't have a good defensive line, if our defensive line was battered, battered their brains, then losing Rhett would hurt this team way more. Our secondary was a lot better last year because of Rhett, and we didn't have our defensive line. We had we had to have a good defensive line in order to make this loss a lot less valuable to this team. It's it's still a valuable loss. Major loss for this team, but the defensive line definitely helps out and eases some of the pain. For sure. And then the other one is going to be Raheem Mostert, who at first was going to be eight weeks, but then he realized that it was better if he you know, got the season-ending the injury. So uh, no Raheem Mostert, but I think the Niners should be okay at running back. Most of the, you know, with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, as long as their uh, offensive line's healthy, as long as George Kittle is healthy, uh, they'll be able to create lanes for the running backs. We saw Mitchell had a nice game. Uh, against the Lions. And I think their depth would be okay too. Hasty's a good runner. Uh, we'll see Sermon. Obviously, we didn't see him in the first game, but he'll definitely be playing now. And then they'll still be getting uh, Jeff Wilson back at some point. I think Kyle Shanahan said likely November uh, in the interview today or in the press conference. So we will see. I think the running back room will be fine. Um, obviously, the, the losing most of it hurts. You kind of lose his home run, hitting, uh, home run hitting ability. But Elijah Mitchell is also a speedster. Uh, he can also take it to the house once he gets a crease, once he gets a lane. Um, so I think the Niners running back room will be fine. It's just, you know, just losing most of it really sucks, especially just for both of these guys who, you know, obviously have dealt with a lot of injuries in their career and they put a lot of work in the offseason. And then the first game of the year, they're both out for the rest of the season. It's just a tough thing, a tough pill to swallow. But I think the Niners can make up for these losses because of the way they built their defense. And obviously, uh, the running back room and just the running scheme that they have in San Francisco will make up and allow their running game to still be successful. Yeah, I think you also, I mean, Raheem Mostert, that sucks to lose him for the year. He's, in my opinion, he's still a big part of this team. I know I undervalue Mostert a lot on Twitter. I say like, oh, losing a running back like Raheem Mostert isn't that big of a deal. I mean, he is our best running back on the team. So I think that's definitely going to be a decent bit of a loss. But also, mad respect for Raheem Mostert. He said... He could have been out eight weeks. Instead, he decides to risk it, take the year off, and recover for next year. I think that's a major move, especially going into a contract year 
I think that's a major move for Raheem Mostert. I think that could ultimately save his NFL career. So major shout out to Raheem Mostert for doing that. In the end, though, as I did say earlier, and I've been saying on Twitter, it's not going to be the biggest loss. I know I love Raheem Mostert, but at the same time, you got Trey Sermon, you got Elijah Mitchell, you got some Michael Hasty, and then you got that guy from the Ravens, Cannon, I think is his name. We brought him in, yeah. signed him off waivers, and we have check too. So in the end, not too big of a deal in my opinion, but still a pretty brutal loss. All right, moving forward, another injury that we need to keep our eyes on is with Javon Kinlaw. He still has not practiced yet, the knee. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said that it just hasn't healed correctly, and now we're at the point where coming out of college, Kinlaw had knee issues, and these issues have showed up. Um, obviously missed the last I think, game or two last year um, because of the injury, had the surgery in the offseason. Um, and then we had uh, obviously the injury this year. Um, following training camp, he's only played and he played the one preseason game. Hasn't practiced since, uh, for the most part. So, I mean, Javon Kinlaw. I mean, we're at the point where, if Kyle's saying it hasn't healed correctly, we're starting to wonder if, you, you know, is it going to be an off and on thing for the entire season, or will he have to opt to get surgery again? I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, maybe that's kind of just a negative way of looking at it. But Kinlaw, he might not be available this week. Um, from the sounds of things, and, and if that's the case, the Niners going to find a way. Now they got depth, obviously, but at the same time, it's just it's tough uh, to have Kinlaw miss this amount of time and not knowing when he might be back. Yeah, and I know Javon Kinlaw. He had knee concerns going into the draft last year. He had a bit of knee concerns from what I remember, and then this offseason too, he got that surgery. And they got hurt like traveling or something. So his knee issue is pretty big, in my opinion. And I think the fact that this is lingering, it's been lingering for way longer than we expected. That definitely says something. And I definitely think, you know, honestly, considering how much defensive tackle depth we have, again, it's not going to be the biggest loss, but he is definitely our top defensive tackle, depending on where you want to call Eric Armstead, if you want to call him an edge, if you want to call him a defensive tackle. It works out like that. But overall, I definitely think you have to take this year injury really seriously. If you have to sim out this year, I say do it because this is the deepest defensive tackle you'll ever have probably. And you, if you get him better for next year, that's going to work out really well. He might be able to come back during the season as well. So overall, maybe just see how the season goes before you say we're shutting him down or something. But yeah. I definitely think this is something to keep an eye on. For sure. It's just, I mean, it's not it's not a whole lot to be uh, confident at the moment right now while Sam continues to, to go through it over there. He, he's trying to, he's trying to get through it right now. Like, put up my comment. I just, I'm literally, yeah, I'm literally I mean, dying right now. So, if you say, Oh, I can't record a podcast because I like broke my leg or anything, I'm dying and I'm still <laughs> recording the podcast. You may not see me tomorrow. I don't know. I may be dying from talking too much. I kind of look like Debo. I mean, I, I mean, disagree. No, I don't see that. That's at a all. compliment, man. Considering how Debo played, I mean, hey, I mean, maybe I might it's be a, a compliment. Debo, I said. I can go out there. Really I can much, run past people, run over people. You know, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Kyle, get me out there, man. I know you uh, got a thing going on. You, uh, I can go out there and run some routes for you. But uh, speaking of you, it's been probably the biggest discussion after the game uh, about whether or not Ayuk is in the doghouse or not. Now, Kyle was he's not. He said he's happy with Ayuk, um, and obviously he said he just has some. He has. Uh, you know, missing time with the injury, you know, trying to work back and everything like that. And just the fact that, you know, but then, you know, you hear that, like, okay, hamstring's the reason why he's not playing. And then he's, he ends off by saying, 
know, if he wants to get more snaps and he needs to play better than the guy behind him. And that guy behind him right now is Trent Sherfield. So, you know, to me, that means that it's more than just the injury. Is there something else that Kyle just isn't seeing from Brendan Ayuk that he would like to see? And something that Sherfield is showing that, you know, obviously leads to him playing, at least splitting snaps with Brendan Ayuk. So I'm not too concerned with Ayuk. Uh, I know it's a big talking point, just the fact that going into the, and going into this season, we expect him to be truly emerge and become one of the best receivers in the league. Um, I don't think this is the Dante Pettis situation because he's not Dante Pettis. I think he's a lot more talented, a lot better than Dante Pettis was in his rookie year, or really where Pettis was at all with the 49ers. But it's also something to monitor too because you know, going into it, you know, he, he had to drop pass uh, in two of the 49ers preseason games when the, the pick happened in the Charger game from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he said that pick was on Ayuk because apparently maybe he might have run, run the wrong route. Um, so there's something that Kyle isn't happy with with Brandon Ayuk, and that's the reason why he only had 20-something snaps. And obviously, I don't think the hamstring is that big of an issue because he had 20 snaps in that game and was a punt returner. And if hamstring was really an issue, I feel like he might have had someone else out there doing that. But going forward, I mean, we'll see how he responds to this because obviously we have no idea, you know, what it is that Kyle doesn't like from him, you know, and how long it, it might take for him to get, you know, his spot back and maybe elevate to the wide receiver one on this team. But right now, Debo is the guy. Sherfield is number two. And right now, Ayuk seems to be number three. Yeah. And looking at Brent Ayuk, it's definitely a surprise that he wasn't in the lineup or wasn't really getting that many snaps on Sunday. And I definitely think the injury happened, but overall, I definitely think Ayuk's going to come back and do well, and he'll he'll get used to it. I think the injury definitely hampered him, considering how well Trent Sheffield was doing. Because I mean, you look at this team; you really think that Brandon Ayuk, a first round pick, a guy who was a star in training camp until he got that until he hurt his hamstring, is really going to lose his job to Mohamed Sanu? I don't really think so. Mohamed Sanu is like old. Let's leave it at that. I mean, he's good for our team. Is he great? No. He's old. I mean, Brent Ayuk's definitely going to beat out Mohamed Sunu at some point. And for missing a curfew, I did not hear that anywhere. That would I be saw interesting. A couple times. I saw a rumor a couple times on the timeline. I'm not sure how true it is. Um, I don't know who that came from. But, I mean, if that was a reason, I mean, I guess. I mean, I mean it, makes, time. it makes sense, I guess. But also, I just want to put this out there. There are so many people who are just whining, crying, complaining, about what Kyle Shanahan said about Ayuk. And to those people, I'm just going to just shut up. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> you really think if, if Brendan Ayuk's not getting wide receiver one snaps, you really think Kyle Shanahan's going to go out there and say, yeah, this is our wide receiver one after he gets 15 snaps in one game. You really think Kyle Shanahan's going to go out there and say that? No. Kyle Shanahan's going to go at him. It's that simple. If you're, this is a guy who's supposed to be wide receiver one. He's not living up to that potential. You got to keep it real with your guys. So massive shout out to Kyle Shanahan. Anyone come? Anyone just crying about it? I mean, these are the same people who are crying about Dante Pettis. I mean, I don't care if Brent Ayuk has more potential than Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield is the better receiver right now, according to Kyle Shanahan. He's giving this team a better chance to win. So therefore, Trent Sherfield should be on the field more often. So anyone complaining about what Kyle Shanahan said, you don't have a say. Just shut up. Seriously. Kyle is mad that Ayuk got PS5 before him. Hey, I'll be mad too. Also, I can't get one. I can't get one. I mean, I just there's none available. I mean. Hey, Ayuk, man, listen, if you're on my team, you got a PS5 before I did, I bench you too. 
you know, so maybe yeah, 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 that's the reason, Kyle. I understand you, bro. Because that's I, a completely I, understandable I, reason. If I'm being completely I need a real. PS5. I need a PS5 too. And if I got one, I need his PS5. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now it's to really say anything, really, for the most part. Um, it's just it's something to monitor, um, because of the history with you know, obviously, uh, Matt Breida, Akella Witherspoon, uh, Dante Pettis, just guys who went into the doghouse and. Really never made it out. I think, uh, well, I mean, Witherspoon kind of made it out. Witherspoon definitely, I would say Witherspoon made it out. That's the only player to make it out of the doghouse. Yeah, but if, if you know, Dante Pettis never up, made it out. Um, who are some other guys that got in the doghouse? I'm trying to think of. I don't think, I think Brita, he got Brita. Oh, Brita definitely did not get out of the doghouse. Yeah, he didn't get out of the doghouse. I uh, forgot about Brita. Pettis definitely never got out of the doghouse. Oh, and speaking of Matt uh, Brita, I know a ton of people were saying, oh, let's trade for Matt Brita. Um, you first of all, you just you got some guy off waivers. That was a lot better. You don't have to give up a pick for Matt Breida. And second of all, because he was in the doghouse, you really think Kyle Shannon's going to let him back? I don't think. I don't think they're giving him a second chance in the same. Yeah, I don't think the Niners need to go and trade for anybody. Yeah, no, you're back. set. I think a they waiver claim is perfect. Two. They got hasty. I mean, they're going to get Wilson back at some point. I mean, I think Carryon Johnson and whoever they just signed, I forgot the name. Those yeah. guys are just on oh, practice playing in case someone gets hurt. Carry on Johnson. I think the only reason they signed him is because it's for Intel. They're playing the Philadelphia Eagles next week. He spent camp with the Eagles. Could I don't, be. I think carry on Johnson. I don't, he might not last long on this team. I think this is, I think it's solely an Intel move. Yeah, he could get promoted, but if we're being frank, he's really not that great of a running back. So, I mean, I think any running back that gets brought into the roster at this point is only there. They have a chance to see, they have a better chance to see for sure. They have a but spot think, to get a spot if someone gets hurt again. But if no one gets hurt and anyone signed the practice call, I won't play. I mean, that's just exactly. And I think right now we have three better running backs. I don't really know much about this Tristan Cannon dude. I yeah, saw him that was the guy. Yeah, I think he's another guy who's going to be on the practice squad. That we well, we he's on the fifty three now. Oh, is he? Yeah, we we used a waiver claim on him. Oh, uh, huh. So he's on the fifty three. Well, probably just filling uh, most for spot. So yeah, that's maybe your I'm theory thinking. about Kieran Johnson is correct, where he's just there to provide intel on the Eagles um, from how they, I guess, worked in camp and who we need to keep an eye on. But for the most part, I mean, running back is sad. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, obviously, losing Mostert sucks, but I think they have the guys in the building to get the job done. And then, as long as Kyle is calling the plays, they're going to lanes are going to be made for these running backs to make plays. They just got to make plays when they're there. I think they will. Um, and I think Mitchell provides some confidence as well, seeing how he played in the opener. So, which leads into the opener game. Uh, finally getting to the good, bad, and ugly from the Lions game. Let's start with the good. Uh, the good for me, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was fantastic in that game. I think, I mean, there's really isn't much to complain about from Jimmy Garoppolo in that game. Uh, maybe outside of a throw here or there, that third down throw on third and four that could have iced the game. You know, you'd like him to throw it out in front of Debo. Um, but, you know, other than that, and then obviously the deep ball to Debo on, on the uh, – touchdown which you know it so the thing about that some people call it a perfect throw uh i won't say i won't say any names but people called it a perfect throw that was not a perfect throw debo even said it wasn't a perfect throw but to jimmy's credit he stood in there uh obviously you got pressure bearing on you with that kind of pressure you're not gonna get the best ball out there but you gave debo a shot he had one-on-one coverage and uh debo made a play so you know, it wasn't the best throw, but he gave Debo a chance to make a play, and he did, and uh, resulted in points for the Niners. So, I mean, if you want to get too nitpicky about it, obviously that wasn't a great throw, but it led to a great result. And um, 
You know, just for the most part, I mean, there's not much you could do there with pressure bearing down. Either he takes the sack or he gives his receiver a chance. Give receiver a chance, made a play, you know, moving on. Uh, Garoppolo was good in that game. Uh, defensive line was fantastic. D Ford, for the most part, was impressive. Um, I think Armstead had a good game. A lot of people, a lot of people were on either the he made no difference or he was fantastic in the game. From what I saw, uh, I think he, you know, moved golf off his spot a lot and forced him to make some throws quicker than he would like to. Uh, I think Armstead had a pretty good game of Bosa. Penae Sewell had a pretty good game uh, against Bosa, considering, but that could have been because Bosa. It could have been his first game back. Well, it is his first game back, so potentially he's a little rusty in terms of just, you know, playing. Um, but uh, Sewell, I mean, I know there's holding calls that people were calling, that we're talking about, but it's going to be holding on almost every play, I feel like, in, in the NFL. So once you get kind of just nitpicky about that, then you'll probably cut holding call in every play. I think Sewell did well against Bosa, but Bosa had some good moments as well. Um, I think the safeties were good. Chikwiski J- J- Tart was fantastic in uh, run fill. He was good in coverage. Uh, War was good in coverage. Uh, Delmador Lenore was good in coverage in that game, which is a good news going forward, seeing as how obviously we're without Verrett now. Um, there were a couple of times when Lenore got beat, um, but for the most part, it didn't result in any yardage. So, you know, I think it was good game from him. Um, Al Shair was impressive. He was great in coverage. He was great, um, you know, making tackles uh, short of the sticks. Um, it's another great game. Uh, from him, and for the most part, those are the guys that stood out to me. Uh, that was my good from the game. What you got, Sam? You know, you kind of hit the two goods I was going to bring up. The first one is Diamondor Lenore. I think being a fifth-round pick and coming in, being the best cornerback on the field for the 49ers, it gives me a lot more hope with the Jason Verrett injury. I know how brutal that is to the secondary, but when you have a guy like Diamondor Lenore play like that week one, play all the snaps, it gives you hope. It definitely think I definitely think that he can step it up this year. If he can't step it up this year, then the Jason Verrett loss is not going to be that big. And then D Ford coming back. I thought D Ford was done for his career. He's not going to come back. And oh, he comes back and has a phenomenal game. I'm so happy because I keep telling people he is the X factor of this defense and he proved it yet again. And I mean, when D Ford is on the field, this defensive line is so much better. It's not even close. I mean, D Ford is the X factor of this defense, in my opinion. Offensively, I got to give it to the offensive line. They really protected yes. Jimmy Garoppolo. This offensive line looks a lot stronger. They had great protection for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think we gave up a sack. Is that correct? Uh, we had one sack. One it was sack. on a blitz, though. It was on a blitz. There was no pickup. So one sack on a blitz is really good to have right, th- right off the bat. That's just a phenomenal stat to have. And Jimmy Garoppolo, because of that, looked a lot more comfortable. So overall, I think the offensive line was my star for the offense. D Ford, Diablo Dorlenor on the defensive side of the ball. I guess the other good would be Debo Samuel, obviously. But uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself. I think most people thought Debo looked good in that game. He was fantastic um, getting open over the middle of the field. So David Yang says, uh, we need more pressure up the middle. Golf is too comfortable most of the day. Um, I, I disagree with that. I think they moved him off his spot quite a bit. He was uh, had to rush from passes, and he made some errant throws because of pressure at times. Um. I mean, not every time you get to quarterback is going to lead to a bad play. I think the Niners did the best they could. Now, uh, Diego Ryan's ran some stunts on the defensive line. Uh, there were some times when Samson Ebicom was lined up with D-tackle. Then there was a point where Bosa and Fort were on the same side at the same time. So maybe those stunts led to them potentially not getting as much pressure as they would have liked because they just didn't, they weren't as effective as, as maybe they were planned to be. Um, 
But I think they got pressure on Goff pretty often. I think the defensive line was fantastic. I think the Niners had probably some of the most pressures in the league, uh, at least for week one. Uh, I think they were tops in the, in the league. I think they were pretty sure. I forget what the number was. I think it was like 30 pressures. It was just tied with the Steelers, who also had a great game, um, at least rushing the quarterback. So, no, I think they were fine um, rushing the quarterback. And I think they'll only get better as Ford and Bosa continue to work back from their injuries and get used to playing and knock off the rust. They didn't play any, any in the preseason, so – that was the first game action and for, for what it was. It was pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of that, Russ, just knocking it off, especially there's a lot of guys on this defensive line that got hurt. Mo Hurst had an injury early on. Oh, Mo Hurst was on IR, so he didn't even play. Yeah. But Bosa and four, I think you look at the edges, obviously a bit rusty, no Kinlaw. You had guys getting first team reps. I think it was, it was Armstead and DJ Jones, if I'm correct. So those guys usually get first team reps, but still, I definitely think when you look at this team, there's definitely a bit of rust to take off. Also, the Lions have one of the better offensive lines in the league, so it doesn't concern me too much how there was not that much pressure. The middle, yeah, the middle, as David just commented right there, the middle wasn't that impressive. I mean, yeah, I think overall, I mean, they have Frank Rag now. Jonah Jackson did not have that good of a game, though. He's the left guard for the uh, for the Detroit Lions, so I definitely think that's definitely created by some interior pressure. So overall, I definitely think there was – Not there wasn't it wasn't noticeable, but there was good impact, and the defensive line did their job. Did they exceed at doing their job? Not necessarily. It wasn't really noticeable, but overall, I definitely think the defensive line did really well. Yeah, I think the interior line was better than they got credit for. Um, I mean, Contavious Street had had a sack. I think Armstead had some good pressures up the middle. Um, Now, obviously, we didn't see many blitzes from Fred Warner. or or from the safeties, they get like maybe a, like I count like maybe four or five blitzes, maybe if I remember correctly. I don't think it was a whole lot, um, but I mean I guess we'll see how they do uh, going forward. But I I I didn't have too much of an issue with the interior defensive line, which without Kinlaw, uh, obviously we don't really know what the ceiling is uh, without the of the whole entire line. But you know at least with edge pressure, you're at least going to be able to you know make quarterbacks uncomfortable and not allow them to sit there. And just you know have do as they will with the with the coverage and just have to wait against with the defense. So um I think it's fine. I think the defensive line was fine. Um that was definitely a good for me. Now the bad. Um my bad was Kyle Shanahan's uses and this is like a controversial thing. Um was it always is a Trey Lance, but his uses of Trey Lance in that game, I wasn't very fond of. Um there was just you're running quarterback power on like a third and 15. Like that just doesn't seem ideal. Um, I know he had the touchdown pass in the red zone, but when you went out there and, and could Kyle, and this is the, this is the case people have been putting out there. Like could Kyle have been doing this? Obviously we know he likes to plan ahead, whether it be games ahead, you know, weeks ahead, whatever it is. Um, is he trying to give the impression that whenever he put Lance out there, it's going to be a run play potentially. But my take on this is that this is, a quarterback you invested in, I say four picks because they traded three picks away to get the pick to draft him with, and they drafted him with that pick. So I say four picks of what they invested in him. Um, you know, you, this is your quarterback of the future. I don't necessarily like using him as a gadget in the running game. And people disagree. You know, you're saying, you know, just Kyle is a mastermind and, you know, using his legs to, you know, obviously create more favorable situation for the offense, but. This is the guy who's supposed to be your franchise quarterback going forward. If you're not going to have him out there playing quarterback, I'd rather him be on the sideline 
either you know learning and soaking in information or be out there playing one of the two um or if you are going to play them at least put them in a situation where you're not you know limiting the playbook to just a couple of plays where it's like a couple of read options or a quarterback power or just maybe just only have, having them throw in the red zone okay at some point it's going to get predictable and it's just you're really ruining the flow of the offense there are some times when they put Trey Lance out there uh, I think there was a third and short at one point where they just put him out there and ran a quarterback power and ended up getting, not getting it and had to punt. And I'm just like, why well, wouldn't just keep Jimmy in there? You know, he has he has it going. Just let him do his thing with the offense and just keep it going. You know, it's just in, you know, Kyle wants to put Trey out there and it doesn't work. And then, you know, if, it, if this happens in a bigger game or in a more important time, this is when it starts to get problematic. And this is why this two-quarterback thing, I was never really a fan of it to begin with. Um, it's fascinating to see how he's going to use it, but for the most part, I just messing up the rhythm of, of the offense, messing up the rhythm of the quarterbacks. You know, make a decision. Either going to play Lance or you're not, you know, and if we're going to have him go out there for a couple of run plays a game, I'd rather him stay on the sideline. Yeah, that's definitely my offensive bad. My defensive badge for me has to be the cornerback play of Amory Thomas and Dante Johnson. Yes. And I well, mean, I ugly, actually. No, I, I have a different one for ugly, but overall, I mean, I think I think my all my ugly. I'll talk about my ugly after this. My ugly is just how about how we got Q at the end. My bad is how the cornerbacks played because we got Q. We got in a situation where we got too cute and we had to play these cornerbacks. Dante Johnson. I mean, I've said enough about him in the past. I don't really need to tell you why I really don't want him on the field. Ambry Thomas is not ready to play at the NFL level. I've when he was drafted, he was a raw prospect. I'll say it again. He was a raw prospect. Not ready to play at the NFL level. He showed that in camp, had a pretty poor camp. And people need to give this guy time. This is why we brought in Josh Norman. This is why we brought in Drake Kirkpatrick. Those guys are ready to play at the NFL level. Even though they may not be the best cornerbacks, they're better than Ambry Thomas at this point in time. And they can help develop Ambry Thomas. So overall, I do like how we brought in Drake Kirkpatrick after the game. That was definitely a necessary signing that we need. But it's definitely, I think Ambry Thomas, if anything, Ambry Thomas should be inactive for most of the, if we have to deactivate a cornerback every game, it should be Ambry Thomas and not Josh Norman or Dante Johnson or Dirk Kirkpatrick. It should be Ambry Thomas because Andrew Tom, Ambry Thomas needs to be on the sideline learning and he should not be in a situation where he has to be put on the field. I know he was good at punt returning and kick returning, but you don't want him in that situation where he's your cornerback on the field because he's not ready yet. We had to take him off. They, the Lions kept picking at him and it didn't work out for us. So overall, I definitely think you have to take Amory Thomas off the field. That's definitely my bad. And swing, segueing into the ugly part, I mean, if we got too cute. I said this in my – I tweeted this out at the beginning of the game. Offensive key of the game, don't get too cute. We got too cute on offense and defense. Hang on one second. Apologies. I'm just dying over here. But anyways – we got two key on both sides of the ball, and that almost cost us the game. I mean, we were up 41-17, one touchdown. All right, that's fine. Then you botched the onside kick. And, I mean, you can blame Kittle all you want for that. I wouldn't say that's getting too cute, but Kittle usually doesn't play special teams, though, which was interesting to see him out there. So maybe you could probably say that's getting team. That's we want out. That's probably just one out there to catch the onside kick. But, I mean, it took a weird bounce. Um, so I mean, I'm not excusing not, it, but it, it took a really weird bounce. Like, it, it took was a weird like bounce. This kind of rolling, then it bounces off his face. Yeah, it bounces off his face. I mean, 
what I'm more upset about is how we play on that defensive drive. Then that's when you put in guys like Ambry Thomas and Dante. I know Verrett got hurt, but like they were just like testing everything out. They took some of their starters out and we started to collapse. And then Debo fumbling the ball at the end. I mean, that was a disaster. Also, as you said earlier with the bat, with Trey Lanch's runs on like third and long, like why not get the first down? Secure this game. What's the point of that? So this team definitely got too cute on both sides of the ball. And we cannot have that happen. Especially the Lions are probably, besides the Texans, the Lions are the worst team we're going to play this year. So that's 16 more games. Well, the Jaguars. No. Break week one. Six, yeah, 15 more games, excluding the Texans. So, Jags, yeah, Jags are not that good either, but they are better than the Texans, in my opinion. Even though they won, they'll get better. But you cannot get cute against the teams that are better, especially Philly next week. I I mean, I said earlier, and we we kind of talked about this on Twitter, if Emmanuel Mosley doesn't play, Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager could have an absolute field day against a guy like Josh Gordon. I mean, their offense is built on speed. And speed is something that has been killing the 49ers quarterbacks. It always has been. I mean, DK Metcalf, pretty fast guy, killed them 49ers last year. Other guys, I'm trying to think of some. But overall, I mean, speed has been killing the 49ers. Even John Ross in 2019 had a pretty good game against the 49ers. I mean, speed usually kills these guys. Also, Quez Watkins, another fast receiver. So you cannot get too cute because you're going to get blown out by these guys. It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, you know, my ugly was probably the same as yours. That end of the game situation, um, the drop pass by, well, first off, the bad throw from Jimmy Garoppolo, and then the leading to the drop pass uh, by Debo Samuel, then the fumble by Debo Samuel. Um, obviously, when you already have the first down, just get down. Um, then on defense, I mean, the defense is weird because they took the starters out for two of those drives, two of the final three drives, and they got close, and then they had to put the starters back out there. So would that happen again? Um, if, if Dante Josh wasn't out there and Emory Thomas wasn't out there, probably not. Um, so, I mean, just overall, I, mean, I just think, yeah, that end of the game was super ugly. Uh, it seems in a way like they lost focus a little bit. Um, they just kind of started to get lax because they're up by so many, so many points. And then even, you know, I take my L, uh, because I was like, Hey, take the starters out. They take the starters out. The lines come back. I was so, like, take the know. starters out too. And I mean, it did not work out. Yeah, it, it I was thought a, we had a big enough so, lead. I underestimated Jared Goff in the Lions offense. Yeah, I mean, I guess I overestimated our backups since thinking that they can hold on to a 24-point lead for longer than six minutes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll take my L there. But, I mean, overall, just that end of the game, super ugly. Uh, Niners almost found a way to lose that game. So, yeah, going forward, let's be a little bit sharper as the game's end. This is something we're getting to more as we get into some of the overreactions, overreactions here. From you guys, I had you guys put some of your overreactions going into the rest of the season after that week one game. Let me pull up the tweet so I can read these. Uh, where? All right, here we go. Let's start with the first one. This one's from Dawson at TriggerHappy1234 on Twitter. Uh, let's see. He says, now I personally don't think this, but could make the case. Maker Ryan's looks like a bad hire. So... I'm not going to go too far as to say that. Um, Now, Ryan's will have a challenge going forward and how he wants to run this defense without Jason Verrett in the secondary. Niners ran a lot of zone in that game. There was a lot of, uh, you know, single high looks, a lot of cover three, uh, at least from what I saw. Maybe I'm, you know, 
looking at the wrong coverage, but for what I saw, they were very conservative, uh, conservative in coverage, not a lot of man coverage. Um, so I think as long as they can get pressure with their, with their front four, um, I think they'll be fine defensively. I don't think Ryan's has to do much. Um, now, obviously, one thing that's missing is the, the creative blitzes that uh, um, Robert Sala had, with obviously, with, with K1 Williams and Fred Warner. Now, obviously, it was just one game. Uh, the Baker Ryan's could have some things planned uh, going forward to get some more pressure on these guys or at least to take advantage of the skill set of K1 Williams and Fred Warner. But I think Ryan's would be fine because there's a lot of talent on this defense still. Um, now, obviously, he doesn't have you know, it's red to work with in the secondary, but there's a lot of other good players in this defense. I think this could be fine. Yeah, I think D'Amico Ryans, I think that's a bit of an overreaction right there. There's still a ton of time for D'Amico Ryans. It's one game, and if anything, he got cute. He definitely got too cute. He can learn from that. I think that I think it's definitely an overreaction. He did well as a linebacker coach here. As defensive coordinator, yeah, it's a step up. I think he still has a ton of time to prove himself. It's week one. It's way too early to say that it was not a good hire. Also, we won the game. At the end of the day, we won the game. That's all that. If you if if your defense can help you win games, which it did right there, it's going to work out right there. And yeah, look at what Madison said right there. Paul Madison. People really forget how bad Salah was as a DC. And I would also say his first two years. His first season was terrible. Second year. People I want him gone. People I want him gone. Him gone. Yeah, I, know. I thought keeping him. At one point, okay, in 2018 when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, or like, Oh no! When Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt towards ACL, my Twitter hand, my Twitter like bio name was like "blank days until Jimmy Garoppolo returns." I think for a solid week, I changed that to "blank days until Robert Sala is fired." I wanted that guy gone. I think most people wanted that guy gone. 2019, he proved why he was a good guy. 2020, he made the adjustments. He worked out really well, and look where he is now. He's a head coach. So overall, I definitely think you gotta give Demico Ryan some time. Yeah, Demico Ryan's is you know he has a lot. Better defense to work with than Salah had, but from the, I don't think I would. I mean, there were some issues in run defense a little bit. Uh, I guess that was another bad, um, you know, from the game was early on run defense wasn't great, um, but there were some there were some issues in run fill. Uh, I think Drake Greenlaw filled the wrong gap a couple of times, um, but there was some situations where um, Zach Kerr and Kevin Givens getting pushed out of the way. Well, not Kevin Givens, DJ Jones. Kevin Givens was good in the run defense. Uh, DJ Jones and Zach Kerr had some issues at times. But um, for the most part, I mean, they kind of shorted up towards the second half when they stopped. Uh, they had they had less wide nine looks because when you go wide nine, you have the lines spread out that much. You put a lot of you put a lot of you know pressure on your linebackers to fill gaps, and if there's ever an issue, there's going to be a, a you know a wide open lane for a running back to run through. So it's, it just has to. I think you just. I'm not a big fan of the wide nine look. I think it should just get rid of it and just continue to go with standard uh, looks. Maybe except for on obvious passing downs where you can really. Get your edges, you know, kind of more of a head start. Um, they get supposing tackles, but you know, the wide nine kind of messed them up in the run defense a little bit, uh, and that kind of made the defense look worse than it was, uh, to start out that game. Um, next one is uh, from Gershon at Gershon Singh. Uh, the 49ers aren't Super Bowl contenders without Jason Verrett. I, I agree with that. I, def- I can definitely see that. I think Jason Verrett, I don't, I think people don't understand how brutal this loss is. Yeah. I mean, he is. Yeah, yeah, D'Amador Lenore had a great game, but he's a fifth round pick, still unproven. It's 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 early to say that this guy's a hit. All right, Emmanuel Mosley, decent, but like who's gonna cover DK Metcalf when we play the Seahawks? Who's gonna cover DeAndre Hopkins? You look at the NFC what who's gonna cover Robert Woods and Cooper Cup? Tyler Lockett. 
Who's going to cover guys like Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk? Those two guys had good games. So overall, I definitely think compete for a title. The Buccaneers as well. Their receiving core was going to cover, you know, uh, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Who's going to cover Devontae Adams week three? I mean, the NFC is stacked with receivers. So I think losing Verrett, it definitely, I personally, I didn't think the 49ers were going to win the Super Bowl this year. I thought you're looking at a playoff seed at best. Probably the, the highest you're going to go is NFC Championship. Lowest is missing the playoffs somewhere on like the 500 line, even though you can't go 500 anymore. But losing Verrett, I definitely think it's it, it's the biggest loss this team could have had. And the fact that it happened week one is absolutely brutal. So I think this definitely can take the 49ers out of Super Bowl contention. Yeah, it was going to be a – I didn't have them as Super Bowl contenders to go – I mean, as a Super Bowl favorite anyway going into this season. I had them as a playoff contender. I think they're still that. But, yeah, without Ferret, um, it just creates another weakness in this defense where, you know, obviously good quarterbacks and good receivers are going to be able to take advantage of it. Um, now, what could turn the tide is if this front seven is as dominant as they were in 2019, um, which is possible with D Ford and, and um, uh, Nick Bosa back. But, I mean, it just makes things a lot tougher. You have a lot less um, room for error without Verrett in the secondary. And and teams have a place where they can pick on this 49ers defense, a place that they can have success when things aren't going well um, and just put some pressure on these corners to make plays that, you know, obviously are either young or just not normally starters. Um, you know, Emmanuel Mosley was a good cornerback too. Now he's in a situation where he's cornerback one uh, when he does end up playing. And if he's not playing – then we have Josh Norman, who just got here. He's been on the older side, and he hasn't had the best, you know, season since leaving Carolina. And then we also have John Lenore, who's a rookie, and obviously he had a good game week one, but that was against the Lions, uh, you know, receiving core. Eagles, Eagles, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, Eagles receiving core much better uh, going forward. Seahawks, you know, Packers, Cardinals, all these teams. Uh, much better receiving cores, much bigger threat in the passing game. So we'll see how these corners uh, respond, but it's definitely. I think it definitely could keep the Niners from reaching the Super Bowl is if they can't find a way to have, you know, obviously a, a successful secondary, a secondary that can prevent big plays uh, without a cornerback who's able to defend, you know, a team's best receiver, you know, going forward. So, and speaking of, uh, like, I mean, Emmanuel, speaking of Emmanuel Moses being cornerback one, that guy got absolutely burned by DK Metcalf last year. And, and, uh, and I know I said, by the way, I know I said the Seahawks are going to probably finish last in the division. But still, you have to play DK Metcalf twice a year. They're going to pick apart Emmanuel Mosley. I'm telling you that right now. And even like if Mosley's out last week, I think Jalen Rager could have a massive week. I said that. I think if Emmanuel Mosley's out, I am banking on Jalen Rager to go off this week. Yeah. I mean, just not having a good corner against teams somewhere to target the 49ers defense. You know, they can, and there's ways to get around a pass rush, right? Like you can. You know, obviously, we saw the Cowboys game where the Cowboys were able to – they didn't win the game, but they still had a great offensive performance staying away from the, from the Buccaneers, you know, the front seven and getting quick passes. Um, you know, obviously, if you can get play action going, the Niners can't show up the run defense, and if Javon Kinlaw is unable to play, uh, then that can become a headache because then you have to worry about play action. And it just gets – it gets to the point where there is room for this defense to underachieve massively, you know, from when – from where we may have expected them to be at. Um, and that, a lot of that starts because they don't no longer have their best corner. And whenever you lose your best anything, it's going to create a big hole uh, because there's, you don't have someone as good as your number one guy just sitting behind the number one guy most of the time. So, you know, it's a secondary is now an issue. It was an issue going into the season. It's a bigger issue now without Jason Verrett. 
with Seattle, they you know tried to attempt to solve that issue. Uh, with make a trade. We hear, you know, there's some rumors that they might have looked into Cam Dantzler, uh, you know, from the Vikings. Cam we'll Dantzler. I think Cam Dantzler could be a guy where if he develops the way I think he could develop, he could cover DK Metcalf. So or a guy I mean, we'll like see him. if Myers make that move, if the Vikings make that move. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, that's not overreaction to me. Uh Jason Ferret being gone could keep the Niners getting to the Super Bowl. Um, so here's this one from Red Sass B Real 29. He says, Hottest take, we can't stay healthy no matter what we do, it seems. Um I mean, that's not a lot of the four ers best players really, have injury history. What's up? Can you repeat that? I didn't get I didn't really hear that. Oh, the question? Uh it's yeah. from uh, Brian at Red Zass Be Real 29 the hottest take. We can't stay healthy no matter what we do, it seems. I mean, a lot of Niners' best players are have injury history, you know. I mean, Debo had injury history coming out of South Carolina. Um, Ayuk's had the hamstrings, Kittle's had injuries, Reem Mostert, you know, he's always had injuries. Um, D Ford has a lot of injuries, Nick Bosa's had ACL uh ish- injuries like twice in his career. Um, Verrett obviously had a bunch of injuries. Jimmy Ward's had injuries. Chris Guitart. All these guys have lengthy injury histories. And so I don't want to say it's because of the players themselves, but when you have many players who have that length of injury history, I think there comes a time where you expect to lose some of these people. And if it kind of avalanches the way it did last year, it can ruin your entire season. Obviously, you hope for better luck. Uh, in 2019, the Niners were able to stay mostly healthy, but the Niners, they got to find a way to get people who can be on the field. Um, they continue to draft guys. Javon Kinlaw now, there's a guy who had knee injuries coming out of college. They draft him. And, you know, in NFL, here he is having knee injuries uh, and knee issues. So it comes to a point in time where just the players you have on your team, it's just kind of just how they are. It's just kind of the way things trend. Um, they tend to be on the injury list. You know, more often than not. So, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think it's a hot it's an overreaction to say no matter what they do because the players they have just don't have a history of staying healthy. And when that's the case, you can't really be surprised when they get hurt. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, we had a ton of injuries last year. And a lot of these guys are still on this team. You know what? They're going to have injuries. It's that simple. You, If you want this team to not have injuries, you're going to have to start this team from scratch. And – Considering the talent of the team, you obviously can't do that. So I think injury, I mean, they're just part of the game. Injuries are part of the game. Do they kill us more than any other team? And is this team probably cursed? Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> at the end of the day, we'll be able to fight through it at some time with some of these guys. So that's all I really have to say. Yeah, you just got to hope it doesn't, you know, just spiral out of control like it did last year. If it does, I mean, the season gets ugly real fast. Um, this is from at Ken Watana, uh, obviously, you know, the homie from uh, the Legions app. You know, we help get uh, one of our listeners uh, at life underscore 49ers, uh, you know, a, a jersey. So, you know, shout out to Ken and, what, you know, what he's done with the Allegiance app. app. Yeah. Uh, download the Allegiance app. Uh, it's a good app. Great for discussions. I got to turn my nose back on. Like, I turned them off so I wouldn't get spoiled during the game. But, um, all right, he says the week one results are terrible indicators of future or failure. And this – is not an overreaction. It's a very reasonable take. Week one has resulted in a lot of out of the ordinary results. Um, you know, you know, last year the biggest one was the Jaguars won their week one game against the Colts, who were a playoff team, and they went on to not win another game the entire season. So 
week one is the most of the time the outlier in terms of a team season. Uh, the Packers getting destroyed by the Saints does not mean that the Saints suck yet. The Tex- um, beat the Jaguars. You know, the, the Packers, Packers doesn't mean the Packers suck yet. Um, doesn't mean that James Winston's the best quarterback in football. That's not what that means. I know Andrew will be happy to hear that. Uh, Andrew Pasquini is a big Jason. Uh, Jason Jamius Jameis. I can't say his name right. Jameis Winston. Um, the Texans. Fans, so the the Texans. You know they're, they're not. Are they the best team in football? To be a playoff contender. You know, because they beat the Jaguars in week one. So, yeah, week one isn't a great, you know, week to determine which team's going to be good and bad. Uh, it's a starting point. You know, you can see where things start to trend, if things start to become a habit, the things start to, you know, continue to show up, and you can kind of realize that something is an issue or not. But as far as the grand scheme of the season, no, week one is not where you're going to find your answers. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the week one. I mean, I think this is a good turn. I, I think week one is good for this team because we learn how getting cute, it's going to hurt us. And yeah, it's an eight point game. They're going to learn from that. You build off every week by week 17. This team, if healthy should be the best, this team was, I mean, a week 17 team is going to be the week one team every single year. If they're healthy without a doubt. I mean, everyone goes throughout the years. So, I mean, yeah, exactly what he said. I definitely agree with that. All right, uh, we got a couple of Rhett questions. This one's from Roy Roberge. Um, he says, for Rhett injury severity, which we now know is out for the entire season, could be a four-game swing on the win-loss record. I don't think that's an overreaction because now you're looking at, you know, these matchups against these top teams, um, you know, obviously your divisional opponents. Um, just given that we talked about it a bit before with the last questions, but it just gives this defense a weakness, a place where these teams can pick on uh, the 49ers defense, whether you know, just whether you're picking on a certain corner or just being able to find ways to get uh, things going in the passing game, yeah, it could lead to some more L's that maybe wouldn't have been the L if Rhett was still there. Yeah, I definitely think you look at. I mean, as I, I've been saying a lot throughout this episode, Jason Rhett, that injury is going to be brutal for this team. I think three, four. I think he said four games, right? Yes, I think four games is a bit of an overreaction. I think you're probably looking at like two, three. So basically one off, but at the same time, this can hurt this team significantly, especially when you look at the NFC West stacked at receivers. I also think you guys, you could have guys like the Amador Lenore develop, Manuel Mosley could develop. You could also make a trade for a guy like Cam Dancer. I hope John Lynch is on the phone right now instead of listening to talking Niners as he always does. But I think, John, you can take the week off, get Cam Dancer on this team. That's all I really got to say. All right, and this one's on the uh, opposite scale of the spectrum from – uh, Vinny Saglambini. Uh, he says losing right is a solvable problem that won't affect the 49ers as much as we think. Uh, along the same lines, if you are lose one of Verrett, most or Warner Verrett is the most replaceable. Uh, so basically, is Verrett the most replaceable guy in the 49ers defense? Uh, no, I don't agree Absolutely with that. Uh, I think you can't replace what Verrett does and what his ability is. Um, now, can you work around it? You know, with obviously what front seven play, I mean, potentially. Um, but then again, we saw a fully healthy defense in the Super Bowl not be able to get it done. Where secondary, I mean, obviously, Verrett was much better than Richard Sherman just because he was able to, you know, play man coverage and able to play against the team's best receiver. Um, but we saw it looks like when you don't have a guy who can do that, um, a guy you can just put on the team's best corner and, I mean, best receiver and be able to just kind of just let it be. You know, the Niners, could, it could cost them a game. Uh, it cost them Super Bowl, you know, two years ago. I know people hate talking about it, but even with a good pass rush, if you're secondary, you know, has holes um, for secondary is 
you know, can be, you know, can be, you know, picked on, uh, it could be an issue uh, against certain teams. And there's some teams in this conference that they're probably going to be able to make, um, you know, good good work of the Niners being without Fred for the rest of the season. And I think I think it is a pretty big. I, I you can't really solve it because there's no way to replace Jason Verrett. and that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, Jason Verrett, You look at. I mean, you look at. I think Jason Verrett, any other team would be somewhat replaceable on this team. I don't think he's replaceable really at all, considering the cornerback depth that you have behind him. It really is just. It just does not work out for this 49ers team replacing Jason Verrett going to be very hard to do. You're going to need guys like Amber Thomas. You're going to need guys like Deion Lenore to really step it up and take his spot. Well, I have a question from the chat from Sketchy Peasant. He says, do you think the 49ers should have kept their 2021 second-round pick and they could have drafted Asante Samuel Jr. instead of trading back and snagging Aaron Banks? You know, looking at this now, obviously I think Hindsight's we, wanted corner, second, we wanted cornerback second round, third round. You know, that like in most of the mock drafts, most of the discussions we have in the offseason, that was where we wanted a corner to be drafted for the 49ers was in the second round. And Sante Samuel was there to be taken. Uh, the 49ers traded back. They draft Aaron Banks, and Aaron Banks has struggled. Now, obviously, Niners also need the O-line help. So it's kind of like just, a, you know, who did they like more of that position, you know, uh, at least on their board. And I guess it was Aaron Banks. But seeing Sante Samuel playing, uh, he had a pretty good week. Um Week one is for the Chargers, you know, just and then seeing it now, yeah, the Niners could have potentially invested more into their cornerback room. And Ambry Thomas not panning out so far is doesn't help either. Um, because there's other guys to be had in the second round, and they took Aaron Banks, and Aaron Banks isn't playing, uh, he's a healthy scratch. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's fair to say that the Niners should have drafted Asante Samuel instead of tra- uh, drafting Aaron Banks. Now, obviously, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, so at the time, I mean, we would not have known that this would turn out to be such a blunder at the moment. Obviously, there's still time for Aaron Banks to turn this around. But right now, it doesn't look good. And yes, the Niners probably should have taken Asante Samuel over Aaron Banks if we're talking at this very moment. Yeah, and also, I mean, you look at the 49ers, Aaron Banks. You look at where the 49ers were at, I should say. Aaron Banks, that's a bit of a reach at 48. Most people have round three, round four. Could have traded up. You could have gotten probably at – you might have been able to get him at 103, I think we were at, something like that. But And also that the Niners drafted – I mean, traded out to draft Trey Sermon, who was another healthy scratch. Maybe these that pick on Aaron Banks instead of using it on Trey Sermon. And then you get Asante Samuel and maybe also Aaron Banks. So you get obviously both of your guys. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, it may have been a bit of a reach to take Aaron Banks, as you were saying – and they could have had him later and still had a dress corner earlier with a more promising prospect. Yeah, and I what I was saying, I mean, they should have taken Aaron Banks a lot later than they did. I think training back was good. You traded back one spot too far. Could also got a guy, I was saying, this guy all along from Syracuse University right there, Ifadu Melifanu, get him on this team. And he did pretty well for the Detroit Lions. Recovered that fumble at the end. Works out really well. I think the 49ers could have used him. He's NFL ready. Ambry Thomas is not. I think they could have got him, and it would have worked out totally fine. You could have taken at 48, too. I know he fell all the way to 102. Most people had second-round grades on him. I had a second-round grade on him. I think 48 would have been perfect for him. Yeah, and I guess another way, another another thing is that the fact that, you know, they did, they did get Domador Lenore, and, I mean, 
I guess hitting on one of the two isn't a terrible look, but at the same time, you know, you could have potentially had to if you had if you drafted Lenore still in the fifth round and drafted Asante Samuel in the second round. You could have, you know, I know, yeah, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you could have had two solid guys. And, and since Aaron Banks isn't playing, wouldn't make much of a difference, uh, for, you know, as far as the Banks pick. And you could have still had Banks, um, you know, in the third round potentially. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it looks, it looks like a bit of a blunder for the Niners. I mean, it is what it is. We'll see how it goes, how it plays out going forward. But as of right now, in this very moment, yeah, it seems like it was a mistake to take Banks over Asante Samuel. A hundred percent. What was that? I went away from the questions. Um, one second. Let me get back to the tweet. Uh, here it is. All right. Um, let's see. The four yards. This is from uh, Eli Rodriguez at Eli R. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Riguez. Uh, if the 49ers are going to, super, going to be Super Bowl contenders as offense, it's going to have to carry the team rather than being balanced like 2019. I agree with that. I think the Niners offense has to be like top three good if they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. And obviously – if your offense is top three good, your defense is like average. I think that's good enough. Uh, so the, the Chiefs have done that for years. Their, their their defense has been, you know, slightly above average, but their offense has been fantastic. And we see where that's gotten them. Um, now, obviously, they have obviously Patrick Mahomes. You know, one of the best quarterbacks ever in the entire league. Once they ever to play the game, because it takes some years to put a, put together a resume that you can continue. You know, consider him to be the best ever, but. He's one of the best in the game right now. Um, and you know, you see what that does for the for the the Chiefs as a team. Um, the defense doesn't have to be great because their offense is great. And if the Niners offense can be great, then yeah, they can contend. Um, for their defense, I don't think the defense is gonna be like bottom of the league bad. They'll be average at worst, most likely. I think they'll be above average this year. Um so yeah, I think yeah, it's not overreaction. If the Niners can be now, the question is. Can the Niners be elite on offense? And I think they can. Uh, I think they have enough, but they have to stay healthy. Um, obviously, the guy, you know, they can't afford to lose Kittle, can't afford to lose Debo. Um, I would say can't afford to lose Ayuk, but right now we don't know uh, as far as, you know, whether who's more important, him or Sherville right now. But, yeah, this offense has to stay healthy. They can't lose. They've already lost Mostert now. Um, they can't lose anyone else who's important to this team on offense. But I think they can be elite on offense. Um also, I guess the, the other question is whenever – what is Trey Lance's role? You know, does Trey Lance end up starting at this point um, at some point in the season? Because if that's the case, that could give this offense another element going forward, um, the deep passing game. Also, the running game may open up a bit more. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. But I think this offense does have potential to be elite. And if they can be elite, then, yeah, I think they can go back to being uh, in the discussion for Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I definitely think – I mean, you look at the teams in the past that have won the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay, balanced offense, great offense, great defense, I should say. Kansas City, great offense, great defense. New England, great offense, great defense. Philadelphia, the offense was okay, but great defense. I mean, they always say defense wins championships, but you have to have a balanced team. I know having a defense, we have that. The offense just has to step it up, and I definitely think you can't lose too many guys on that offense – Specifically the offensive line. I think the offensive line, if you lose one of your linemen, I think you could be really screwed, especially guys like Alex Mack, Trent Williams especially. I think losing Trent Williams would be absolutely brutal because the guys behind them, are not, they're not ready. Aaron Banks is not ready to play the NFL. Jalen Moore needs more time. Tom Compton, should he, be, should he even be on an NFL roster? I mean, 
I really know. Is Jake Brendel on that practice squad or active roster? Uh, I don't. I think he's on active. I think he's on active. I think. All right. Well, anyways, he might need a bit more time. I know he had a good camp, but he might need a bit more time. Maybe only coming to center. I don't really know. But overall, I definitely think yeah, this offense has to step it up and stay healthy. You just make sure everything's going right. Don't get too cute, as I've been saying this entire episode. Um, yeah, question. Next question is from the the homie at Rohit Kanan seventy one. He says mental lapses and discipline will be the downfall of this team. Um, I th- I can. I mean, I, I don't think that's an overreaction whatsoever. Yeah, I that's think not overreaction at all. Mainly, I mean, and it's mainly mental lapses. It's mainly the mental judge mental lapses from coaches, not the players. The coaches have here, especially. I mean, Kyle Shannon, great coach, but one thing that this coaching staff. Even with Robert Sala, they've not been able to do is adjust. There's a reason that Kyle Shannon has only had one winning season in four years. And yeah, injuries, I mean, they help that ex- his excuses. But like at the end of the day, you can't have a ton of mental lapses. And the players, I mean, they're, they have to be responsible as well. But the coaching staff has a ton of mental lapses when it comes to play calling. And that affects the players a lot as well. So overall, it's, I think the coaches have a ton of mental lapses. But players also have, have been having mental lapses here and there. And I think mental lapses could be the downfall of this season. It almost was the downfall of the game against the Detroit Lions. And I definitely think that can continue throughout the season. Yeah. Now the, the question is, will is, you know, will this continue to be an issue? I certainly hope not. Um, it's hard to really gauge yet. That's really on the coaching staff to ensure that these players are, you know, making sure that everyone is accountable, making sure all these guys know what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it. And also make sure the coaches are making the right decisions in game. Um, but mental lapses have hurt this team in the past. They do show up at some of the worst times. And, yeah, I mean, it could be the downfall of this team if in, you know, a big game it's a couple of mistakes and, you know, losing an important game because of it. So definitely not overreaction. Um, that definitely would be a downfall of this team if they cannot find a way to, you know, make the right choices at the right time. Um, this, is from, this is from our guy. Uh, at life underscore 49. He said, not so hot take. A lot of freak things happen in that game. Uh, that will ever happen again. We get cleaned up. We write the ship going forward. Now, obviously, yeah, it's week one. Um, you know, there's some rust. There's some um, getting used to playing again at full speed for four quarters. Um, and that end of the game, yeah, something like that will likely, the way it unfolded, it likely wouldn't happen again. Um, but I think the, the one thing that you can't get cleaned up is the fact that you don't have Jason Verrett anymore. That's the one thing you can't get cleaned up. And that's something that could hurt this team going forward. If they don't have if they if their corner if their quarterbacks turn out to be a weakness, even well, we know they are a weakness, but they turn out to be a bigger weakness now without Verrett, like even which you know, that's right now it's easy to say that that probably is most likely. Um, that's the one thing that happened in this game that could hurt this team going forward. This is the way the secondary looks without Verrett out there. And you know, that continues to be a trend. Yeah, I mean, that's just – that wasn't – you know, that might not have been a fluke kind of, you know, out, outcome as far as the secondary goes. It, it was apparent. Now, obviously, the team said that, you know, they were kind of just kind of thrown off a bit by just the situation with Fred and just, just the suddenness of it. But at the same time, I mean, we know Dante Johnson isn't the greatest. We know Amber Thomas hasn't been the greatest. We don't know what Josh Norman's going to look like. We don't know what Drake or Patrick is going to look like. Um, John Lenore. 
obviously at some point it's going to have its rookie moment, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, going forward, I mean, it's just there isn't a whole other reason to be confident in the secondary. And the front seven, you just hope that they can make such a big impact that it won't matter. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, that, that's the one thing from this game that could kind of be an issue going forward. It's just the secondary and just how it looks without Fred. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, losing Verrett's absolutely brilliant. You definitely cannot replace that whatsoever. But other than that, I definitely think this team could get back, get its feet back, get going, all that stuff. And losing Mostert, too. That's another thing that was kind of brutal for this team. So at the end of the day, I think those two are really the only bad things that happen other than like other stuff. But I think this team can bounce back, get back on those feet. Now, to answer Dawson's question, do you think some people, some of the people worrying about you care more for fantasy than the 49ers? Ah, that's tough. I don't, I think people worrying about Ayuk. it, you know, the thing with that is I think if I have, I have him on some of my fantasy teams, I'm stashing him. I'm not too worried about him, but I think people are more worried about him for as a 49ers fan. I'm more worried about him for the 49ers, but as an, if you're not a 49ers fan, you're probably more worried about him for your fantasy team. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, I don't think the worrying is about fantasy. I think the worrying is the doghouse. And the fact that the doghouse is a thing as happened to players on this team before. Um, and Vish had a tweet uh, earlier today. Uh, so I can find it real quick. Cause I, it's a thing it was, about Dante Pettis, right? Yeah. It was about like, he's not saying the situation is Dante Pettis, but he said he did see the similarities. Um, and yeah, here it is right here. here here's what Shanahan said after, the 49ers week one game uh, against the Buccaneers in 2019, uh, which was when we noticed that Pettis wasn't getting a lot of run. Uh, Shanahan said uh, he's had health issues. That's why he missed a week of practice. It, he just got cleared to come back on Monday, so he was a little behind the eight ball on that. But he didn't start the game, and we didn't have a ton of long drives where we got into the substitution flow. And so you think back to this game with Ayuk, and it's kind of the same thing. Ayuk had the injury. And so you're still working back to getting back, you know, involved um, with the offense and you're kind of building up kind of accountability and just things of that nature. Um, and, you know, you think about it like Pettis, I mean, people forget Pettis at the end of 2018 um, looked good. You know, he was good separation. He had a couple of big games here and there. He had over 100 uh, yards and two touchdowns against Seattle. Um he had some good games, you know, when he came back from his kind of just midseason, uh, just just a trend. Like he started off real slow. I think Ayuk kind of did too in a little bit. This kind of started off slow, and then he really picked up after a certain point. And the same thing with Ayuk is after he got COVID, he came back and he picked up, and he looked like one of the best receivers we had seen, you know, on the Niners in a while. Um, and Pettis at some point did look that good. Now, obviously, you know, Ayuk looked much better as a route runner and just as a receiver overall. Um, but there are similarities to how this is trending. Now, this has turned out to be the same. Um, this is why people are worrying because it's just we've seen this before with a receiver who Shanahan really liked and traded up for. You know, just that, that that's the worry is that this is like the same thing happening again. Um, and obviously, it's too early to say whether it's, whether this is that situation or not. But there is reason to be concerned is I think it's not just fantasy. I think it's just the fact that people don't like the fact that Shanahan is so just has this thing where 
like you said, Sam, you said you you know you didn't like that people were having an issue with Shanahan wanting more from Ayuka. It's like, hey, you know, if he's not doing he's strong, you got to be out there over Sheffield, then he shouldn't be out there. But at the same time, people are like, this guy's a baller, and they feel like you know Shanahan is holding him back in a way because of the fact that he's being so hard on him. Um, and so people may feel like it's just like just a bit extra and just a bit of an ego thing with Kyle Shanahan, which I think there is times that Shanahan's ego uh, does tend to get in the way at times with decisions. But I mean, we'll see. Maybe Ayuka has the the mindset and the personality to get through this kind of thing that maybe Dante Pettis didn't, that Matt Puta didn't, that for a time Akela Witherspoon didn't. Um, Pettis did come out and say that he wasn't practicing as hard as he could have been. Um, when he had a, a press conference or an interview uh, in New York with the Giants talking about you know his time in San Francisco. But, I mean, there are some similarities there, and I think it – I don't think it's just a fancy thing. I think it is kind of just like a, we see – we've seen this before. We're hoping this isn't the same thing again. Yeah, I think – I mean, I really think the doghouse is what scares you. You don't want to get a guy like Brandon Ayuk in the doghouse. But, you know, if he has to go in the doghouse, then put him in there. Teach him a lesson. You gotta make this team better, some way, one way or another. You can't just let Brent Ayuk say, "Oh, first round pick, he's good to go." You can't do that. You just gotta put him in the doghouse if he deserves to be there. Then put him there. That simple. I think there was a list of guys that Shanahan traded up for, and that's where this history comes. I think Dante Paris is one. His history is terrible. Um, I, I think everyone that he's traded up for turned Pan out. Did C- did he trade up for C.J. Beathard? He did. So C.J. Beathard, Dante Pettis. Um, God, man, who else? I, I mean, Ayuk, Sermon. Yeah. Oh, Colt McKivitt. Yeah. Trade up for Colt McKivitt. My guys that Kyle traded up for. There's a lot He's of guys that Kyle traded up for that have have not panned out or not turned out to be who Shanahan thought they were. And that's kind of where this fear comes from. It's just a fear that this might be the same thing again. Hopefully it's not. We, only time will tell, but it is something to monitor for sure. It's really sad. Right, when the best, hold on. It's really sad when the best player you've traded up for is Charlie Warner. <laughs> that's, um, I, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this fear also is kind of with, with Trey Lance as well, because they trade for Trey Lance and, you know, some people don't agree with the way that Shanahan is doing this and the way that he's trying to bring Trey Lance along. Um, now, you know, there's a lot of time to go with Trey Lance. And obviously, he's going to get more opportunities than any other player is going to get, you know. So just because of the fact that he's a quarterback, now the big decision. But the guys that Shanahan trades up for, the guys that he just feels strongly about, sometimes they just don't really pan out. And, you know, there's a history of it. I mean, it's just – it's not something we're making up. It's something you can go back and look and see. Um, and so, yeah, it's something to monitor. Something to monitor. That's really all you can say. Um, next question here from at sports only sports only fourteen. He says, "Trade Jimmy before he gets hurt." Um, no, no, no. It depends, on, depends need- on what you get, man. It depends on what you get. I don't think you have to try to trade him. Not the Niners shouldn't be calling people. People should be calling them. That's what I think. Like, I don't think you're going out of your way to trade Jimmy. But if someone wants him, and they're offering like maybe a third or a second, I think you take it. But I don't think you go out your way to trade Jimmy. Yeah, I mean you hit the you hit the hammer on the nail right there. I mean it's that simple. You don't trade Jimmy unless the team calls you, and it's for a good price. Right now he's your QB one, and it should be that way until Trey Lance is ready. 
you don't trade your QB1 unless you have a backup plan that's ready. All right, here's the last question uh, from at Rocha, ENT underscore YT. Uh, defense will bounce back and hold Philly to less than 20 points. I disagree. I think Philly is a tougher challenge than we thought coming in, uh, which we can talk about actually now since that will be how we finish off this show, talking about it a little bit uh, going into the Philly game. So um, watching the Philly game, things that stood out to me is the defensive line uh, was fantastic on Sunday. They gave Matt Ryan an absolute headache. Um, now, in run defense, they give up 100 yards in the first half uh, to Atlanta. So, at some point, they kind of shorted up, but I feel like Shanahan can find a way to run this defense, and if they can do that, then they can work in the play-action game, and that will make passing the ball a lot easier. Uh, obviously, creating you know windows over the middle of the field for Jimmy Garoppolo to – Work it to either Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle, um, Brent Ayuk, or Trent Sherfield, whichever one of those two ends up getting more snaps or is just more of a focal point on the offense. So offensively, I'm not too worried. Um, the defensive line is better than the Lions, so they could, you know, offer more of a challenge. I mean, I guess a matchup to, matchup to watch would be McGlinchey against Brandon Graham. Um, Graham had a good game. Um, but other than that, I think that the offensive line should hold their own. Now, offensively, obviously, one thing that stands out is the speed of these receivers. You know, Quez Watkins has real-time speed. Devontae Smith, obviously, we know is a guy who is a great route runner and has great speed as well. Jalen Rager, another guy with great speed. Um, and then you think about um, just Jalen Hurts and another mobile quarterback. And now that the Niners have Trey Lance, you know, could they have be a little more prepared for, you know, a mobile quarterback since they have a guy that can use – exactly how they use Jalen Hurts in this game. Um, yeah, but, you know, expect to see a lot of bootlegs and rollouts and just, you know, making making use of Jalen Hurts' mobility. Um, they ran a lot of screenplays to trying to get their guys with speed and space. Um, they didn't throw the ball deep much. And obviously week one isn't just the tell-all be-all for how a team is going to run their offense. There's probably some things that they may use that they didn't use in that game. Uh, but for the most part, they didn't really look to attack defenses. It's, it's really more so about just making sure that you get guys on the ground before they get ahead of steam. Because um, once that happens, they can kind of run by you. Uh, and they did multiple times in that game. Uh, Miles Sanders had a good game running the football. That's the thing to watch. The Niners run defense was a little shaky to start the game. Uh, they got a little better towards the end. But I think the Eagles offensive line is also pretty solid. Uh, for the most part. And then obviously just generally hurts mobility. You have to worry about the read option. You have to worry about bootlegs. You have to worry about him scrambling. Uh, discipline is going to be a big thing for this defense. Uh, it's the first time that we're seeing Jamaica Ryans have to obviously defend against a mobile quarterback. We'll see what his game plan looks like. The Eagles could give the 49ers, you know, a headache. I don't think holding them to less than 20 points is a thing that might happen. They might get more than 20. Uh, I mean, Detroit scored 33. I know a lot of it came late in the game, but Detroit moved the ball early too. Um, they had a, they got stuff from the fourth down. They missed the field goals. A couple things that happened that uh, you know had kind of put them behind the eight ball, but they were able to move the ball too. And now they've gone Jason Ferret, and now these these receivers are much better than the Lions' receiving core. I think it'll be I, I think it'll be more of an offensive game than a defensive game. Uh, this could be a game where both teams are scoring in the high twenties, maybe even in the thirties um, for the most part for me. Yeah, and having a dual threat quarterback like Jalen Hurts has always been a challenge, a massive challenge for the San Francisco 49ers. And I think you got to make sure that you can get the pressure and get to Jalen Hurts and keep him in the pocket. That's the big thing. If you get the pressure 
you give them less time, you keep them in the pocket, they can't run their offensive plan as well as they want to. So I think that's the big thing for the defense. You got to make sure to do that. On the offensive side of the ball, the the Eagles defense is not the best defense in football. It's it's like it's probably a below average defense. Look at that defense, not the best. So overall, I definitely think you can definitely win this game on offense. Your defense just has to step it up though. This should be an offensive game overall. I think the key to the offense for the 49ers is probably just making sure you get that run game going. No Mostert this time. We'll have to see how this impacts the run game. In the past, it hasn't impacted them too much, but now that season ending, you're probably see a lot more snaps to guys like Trey Sermon, to guys like Elijah Mitchell, and guys like Michael Hasty than you would hope to see at this point of the year. So overall, the run game has to get going. The defense has to get pressure. I think in the end, the 49ers are going to win. It's going to be a close one. I also don't, even though it's an offensive game, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as the Lions game. I think you're probably looking at like a like 35 to 30 win for the 49ers. So somewhere in that range, but not as high. I think that's where you're probably looking at. All right. I guess we will do our little over under. Um, still thinking, let me find the, let me find the, the spread for the Niners as of right now in this game. I want to say it was Niners plus three, un, under three, or under 2.5. So the line is, yeah. Niners minus three. I think I, I think I take the over. I think Niners win by more than three, maybe like by like seven or ten potentially. But uh, it'll be a much closer game. Um, now I don't think the Niners lose to the Eagles. I think they're still a better team than the Eagles. But I think the Eagles get provide a little bit more of a challenge than the Lions did, which just seems weird to say. The Lions, you know, really lost by, um, only lost by eight points. But I mean, the Eagles. I think they stay in the game longer. I think they offer more of a challenge than the than the Lions did. And I think this game is going to be closer. But I think the Niners still win by more than three points. Yeah, I gotta take the over on that. I definitely think I can see the line hitting at even. It could be a three point game, but I think right now I'm going to take the over. As I just said, thirty five thirty. Good score prediction in my opinion. So that's obviously the over. I'm going to take the over for this game as well. All right, and that will do it for the show. That was the longest show we've had in a while. Longest show we've about. had. I felt even longer. I was dying. I popped. <laughs> I popped. It's, it's unfortunate that our longest show had to happen on a day where you were like super sick. Oh my That's goodness! Dude. But the show goes on. The show must um, go on, even if it's absolutely brutal. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. This if you guys, for by the way, if you guys are listening to like the audio version, just watch the stream version. How many times I turn off my camera and mute myself? I'm just coughing. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to like, I have to like not get like distracted by it because I just see your screen just go black. And it's like, oh, he has to go. It's cool. Yeah. And just get I ugly. To out, I feel better. All right. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on our socials at Talking Niners Pod, where you can keep updated with all the episodes when they come out. Any news we have about the podcast uh, at the moment, uh, you can follow us individually at Kobe Ransom 49 GM at Niner Wire Sam. And you can find the links to our YouTube channels if you listen to the podcast version uh, in the description of the show. If you're listening to the, if you're watching the YouTube version, you want to have access to the podcast version in case you're on the road or anything like that. That is also in the description. Um, so yeah, make sure you sub to the channel if you're watching YouTube. Make sure you sub. Uh, make sure you like the video, and uh, that will do it for us. Uh, Niners have a a game that seems a little more intriguing this week against the Eagles, and we will see how it turns out. 
I uh, still think the Niners win this game. Uh, they, sh- they should win this game. Hopefully we're 2-0 going into our home opener against the Packers. And that will do it as always. Go Niners. See ya. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Win bet sportsbook again? Yeah, man. Want to get in on these bets with me? Okay, fine. Just signed up. Yes. See? Win bet. Told you. Sign up at winbet.com today using promo code BLUEWIRE to get up to $1,000 toward a risk-free sports bet. That's W-Y-N-N-BET and promo code BLUEWIRE. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.